Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It's October 29th, 2017. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living radio show, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight we're joined by co-hosts Jeff Brown and David Fillion. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please remember... Good leadership is never about power and control, but rather in the interest of the, of the members to be sure each and every member of the leadership team of Working for a Living is committed to returning our union to the UAW, the UAW to a labor ethos, and that ethos then administered in the interest of all rank-and-file members. Having said that, we certainly hope that most of you had an enjoyable week and that you had a lot of fun and stayed safe. It appears that there was no union at the Swiss-based auto supplier in Jeffersonville, Indiana plant, which supplies Ford parts, component parts for Ford and General Motors. Unfortunately, Sister Melissa Stevens perished this, week in that, this past week in that plant. Our thoughts and prayers go out to her family and friends and co-workers. Rest in peace, sister. May we please have a moment of silence for Sister Mo- Melissa Stevens. Thank you. Announcements. Remember that Team Working for a Living supports Medicare for Everyone, and removing the $127,000 limitation cap on earnings that are subject to participation in the Social Security program. Reminder, there is a petition on our page to sign in uh, to support Medicare for All. Next announcement. Team Working for a Living continues to oppose the Working Families Flexibility Act. Next announcement. Team Working for a Living continues to stand shoulder to shoulder with the Michigan Building Trades against the legislation uh, to repeal the Michigan prevailing wage. On July 7th, they renewed the Building Trades renewed their request to decline to sign any petition that you have presented that has anything to do with prevailing wage. Announcement number uh, four on October 23rd. General Motors declared a $0.38 cent dividend. Next announcement, on October 24th, General Motors posted a third quarter net loss of $2.98 billion, or minus 2.03 per share, $2.03 per share. Compared with a profit a year ago of $2.77 billion, or $1.71 per share. 
excluding one-time charges. Here we go with these one-time charges again to make themselves look bad and try and position themselves against us in a contract. One-time charges, the company earned a dollar thirty-two per share, eighteen cents above the analyst expectations of a dollar fourteen per share. Now the the article said nineteen cents, but they don't know how to add, evidently, uh, or subtract. Uh, according to our map, the one-time charge made a difference of three dollars and thirty-five cents per share. That's how much the one-time charge cost the corporation that is the profit share, you know, the, the, the profits for the shareholders, any government tax that might be on that, anything that, you know, us employees might be entitled to out of that, and anything the communities in which they exist might be entitled to. Last announcement, remember... This is the last uh, weekend for this. Remember, this is uh, Pinktober, and this whole month has been dedicated to Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So if you have anyone that uh, you know that has breast cancer, please consider them in your thoughts. And if you're able to at all uh, support breast cancer through donations to the uh, Cancer Society, American Cancer Society, please do so. Thank you. Get on with our email. Uh, uh, first email, great show last night. Thanks for sharing the information. That's from Tennessee. That came in um, uh, the next day, obviously. Uh, the uh, second email, uh, thank you for helping Dr. Pamela Godry's video go viral. You see, I was in I, I was in during the, the war that her husband was, even though I didn't get deployed. My family has fought in every war since, and, and including the revolution. And that's from Florida. I said, you're very welcome. That was quite a touching video that you asked us to try and help make go viral. It does deal with our country, so it's uh, a labor issue because most of us, well, not much, but a lot of us served in the military. Uh, so it's uh, touching to all of us. Uh, it did go viral, by the way. Uh, some 9 million video or views last I looked. Uh, email uh, number three. Leroy, thank you for clarifying that issue. I fully understand it now. That's from Missouri. Uh, that was in uh, reference to last week's uh, clarification of the week before. So a uh, matter that we're still a little testing touchy about here. Um, uh, last uh, email message, uh, I still don't make what I made in 2008 building seats, and now I build trucks. Go figure. That's from Missouri. Well, um, it's, it's interesting that somebody might make more money at another facility other than one of the Detroit 3's uh, facilities. So, uh, we aspire to change that for everybody, make it better. Uh, and this whole tier, tier system uh, is, is gotten out of control, and we have a plan to fix that. I don't know if anybody else has a plan, but we do. Uh, and we have talked about it uh, sometime, 
at some length in uh, some of our calls. Uh, so, uh, getting on to this week's quote: uh, "You can't beat, you can't win the Kentucky Derby with a plow horse." Okay, that's, and uh, that's one of my favorites. You can't win the Kentucky Derby with a plow horse. All right, so let's bring on our co-hosts, Jeff Brown and Dave Fillion. Jeff, how are you doing this week? I'm doing good, Leroy. How are you? I'm pretty good. Been busy all day, kind of lots going on. Uh, I'm probably going to have to make a phone call here in a minute because uh, I don't see uh, that person on the uh, switchboard right now. There's a lot of people here on the switchboard, but I don't see him right now. So, David, are you... Uh, you on online? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Oh. How are you guys tonight? Yeah. Pretty good. Hey, Dave. Like I said, good. Uh, why don't you guys chit chat for a minute? I'll see what I can uh, uh, go offline here and find something. Okay. So I need to check. Okay. Yep. So how's it going today, with Jeff? It's going okay. Um, cold weather sitting in. Um, that's not good. <laughs> but um, last month, um, during one of my shifts, I had to play animal control guy. We found a raccoon running around our docks, and we found it and chased it out of the dock. He went running out of a bay door, a four-foot drop. Made sure he got out of there safely without getting hurt. And then, I think it was Thursday or Friday, one of my coworkers posted that he saw a cougar on the plant grounds by the test track. And um, so he reported it to plant security. But it's a long way from home, that's for sure. Cougar right on our property. That surprised me a little bit. We used to we used to have a raccoon that would come in the plant oftentimes. And uh, one night there was a stack of uh, SL walking gonks. Um, they were, I think it was like four high. And uh, there was a coon in the back of it. And the supervisor called uh, plant security. The guy showed up. Of course, he's a Pinkerton or Security, they call them now. And the uh, boss told him to go in there and get that coon. Guy looked at him, he said, Are you crazy? I'm not going in there to get that, that raccoon. You're nuts. <laughs> so they ended up uh, getting a live trap. I don't know where they got it from, but they did trap the raccoon that was taken off a of plant property. And uh, mm. that kind of um, did away with him. He uh, didn't return. But no, we had all kinds of animals, rats, cockroaches. <laughs> um, not so much in our new plant, but uh, in the old one we did. But yeah, the coons, they like to come in for any food that they can find in the plant and warm, especially in the wintertime. He was running around the dock, going from one row of parts to my row of parts. He 
They must like um, truck docks for some reason. So we, we kept them in there, and then we rattled some racks with our forklifts, and he went running straight out the uh, open bay door. He had a four-foot drop. I don't know how he felt after he landed, but at least we got him I out of the plant. Yeah, he jumped. just jumped right up there into the dock. And um, one one day, years ago, I was sitting there, I got the ship early in the morning, and I'm sitting there eating my breakfast, and I'm looking up, and there's a big possum walking by about five yards away from me. He was going toward an outside wall where the restrooms were at. I finished eating, I didn't see him. Went to the restroom, couldn't find a guy. I just don't know where he went. He was huge. He was huge. We do have uh Japanese had a pond. They put a pond in the middle of the plant. And we ducks come in all all every spring and they have babies. And of course the blackbirds they just illuminate all the babies. They kick them up and eat them. Um one year we had uh Goose laid some eggs by the window, and um, we blocked off where the window part where the nest was, so we would be okay. And uh, we do have some deer on the property. I'm sure we have some coyotes on the property. Blew me off. Um, so we we have feeders uh, out there by the test track for the deer. Um, we just do a lot of different things at our plant. Um, that uh, pond that you got um, was that was that serve a purpose or was it uh, um, made for the purpose of wildlife? Um, it's a tradition in, in Japanese plants over in Japan. Um, they fill it with flowers and trees, and, uh, like a little waterfall and pond. Put up an area where we go out there and sit at lunchtime, watching the, the ducks and stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it's right in the middle. I think I have some photos of it. I'll post it on the page. Um, so that's kind of left over from Mazda. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Sure. We thought Ford would tear it apart. Hey, when they moved, Jeff, moved Jeff in, did but, you cover that cougar well enough there, buddy? <laughs> uh, I don't want no part of that cougar. <laughs> did we, you say he come in the plant or you just find him outside? We found him uh, uh, on the test track. Uh, the world, you know, I parked my car. Um, okay. Wow. Yeah. Did they did they uh, capture him or is he still running around? You know, I have to ask. I, I haven't seen anything about him being captured yet, but um, okay, let's relocate or whatever. You know, a lot of times they'll do that. They're, they're right. in our state. They're in our state. Uh, Jeff, if you're ready, why don't you go ahead and go on with your report? I'm doing uh, section. 
Article 8, Section 3 and 4. Section 4 is a pretty long one, so we'll, we'll just go here and stop. Uh, well, I think, didn't you cover that last week, 3 and 4? Yeah, I, I thought I did. Yeah, I think you were on here. 5, 7, and 8 this week. That's what I'm pretty sure. There's a four okay, guy. It was really dry and long, I, you know, so, yeah. Yeah. Okay, we'll do okay. five. Yeah, go so with five through eight. That should be enough. And let's remember, this is concerning uh, conventions, this, the article about conventions. Section five says um, each local union shall have one delegate for 200 members or less and one additional delegate for the next 300 members or majority fraction thereof, and one additional delegate for each additional 800 members or major fraction thereof, except amalgamated local unions which elect as many delegates as they have units who average 200 dues paying members or more, and that those units we have over have 200 members or more may elect their own delegates to the convention and with those with less than 200 shall group together and vote as a miscellaneous group and in the event the miscellaneous group within the amalgamated local union has less than 200 the international secretary shall allocate such membership to become to some other unit of the local union in such matters as result of a maximum number of delegates. Um, I apologize. My eyes have been really bothering me lately. Um, section 6. Each unit of a magnetic local union shall be allotted its share of numbers of delegates in proportion to the amount per capita tax paid by the unit through the amalgamated local union. Any fractions remaining from the units following such allocation shall be allotted to the local union's joint council when such body exists. And again, we're, that one's for um, local 600 in Dearborn. Uh, delegates presenting a total of all fractions shall be elected on the basis of one for each 800 or or the major fraction thereof, any member of the local union who has qualified to be now and maybe nominated for elected by the joint council, provided he she has not accepted nomination in his or her unit. In order to be eligible for nomination as a delegate for presenting a unit of amalgamated local, he she must be member of such unit. This one, that section just basically talks more or less to um, local 600, which Dearborn Truck is at. They have a uh, general council. And, um, section 7. Each local union shall have one vote in the first 100 First 100 members or less, and one additional vote, additional for 100 members or major fraction thereof. 
but no delegate shall have more than eight votes. The vote shall be equally appropriated among the elected delegates of each local union, except that that an amalgamated local union may proportion its votes in such a matter as the local unions decide with no delegate having more than eight votes. The total number of votes of the units of the amalgamated local union should not exceed the total votes for which the local union is entitled to under Section 9 of this article in the Constitution. Uh, we're going to finish off with eight. Local unions may up to alternate delegates if they so desire. The same number of alternates may be less, but not more than the number of regular delegates. Local unions shall determine the matter order in which such an alternate will be placed on the regular regular delegate and shall, shall also advise the credential committee. Regular delegates may be replaced only if recalled by their local union in a manner which they are elected and if, or if unable to serve. So we'll leave it there, Leroy. We'll do nine, ten. Yeah, this is going to be a long one. We'll do about three, three or four more next time. Okay. That sounds good, Jeff. Uh, as, as you read that, you're going to start with nine next week and go on through maybe 12, you think? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right, Let's sounds good uh, for next week. As you read these four sections, is there anything that you see that may need to be adjusted or have heard from anybody? Uh, we did not get any email on the... the uh, 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 you know, on this matter uh, through the week. So I uh, just uh, wondered if you saw anything or if David saw anything that may need to be changed or adjusted here uh, if we need to have a resolution written. I I have a problem with uh, Section 6 because it's a joint council. Um, I just don't like... Um, these joint councils and how they're set up. And you have to be a member of the, of the council to even mention or talk about anything at the meetings. But if you're not a member of the joint council, you just you can go there and just sit and be quiet. You can't ask questions. And that's not how our democracy works. So I do have a problem with Section 6. Um, okay. So... And that's going to be eventually lead to a bigger question that uh, any uh, reference to joint council be removed from our Constitution. Is that what you're uh, headed for here? Because it does come up other places. Yes. Yeah. It does come okay. up other places. And like I say, it's not right that you can't voice your own opinion at a union meeting that you pay dues into. And that's okay. the problem with these joint councils. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, so we'll uh, take that under consideration about changing all of the language that deals with joint counsel, uh, and it starts here. 
in Section 6 of Article uh, 4 and 8. Yep. Eight conventions are in Section 6. Okay. Uh, David, do you have anything on Jeff's report? Um, the same, pretty much. Um, I'm aware of uh, Local 600's policy their joint council, and uh, I agree that um, that undermines the democratic process. Um, also, um, something that I really haven't mentioned in calls, I've been looking. I've been looking at delegate strengths at uh, different locals in my spare time, looking at the number of people who work at different facilities and how many delegates they will send come up with a total um, for voter strength. Um, this doesn't take into consideration locals that don't send delegates. Um, it's our hope that every local will send um, delegates to the convention, but that isn't the case. Um, a lot of locals don't, and uh, we also have some uh, members who they don't want to participate in the um, convention because they see it as wholly undemocratic. And those are student union workers um, on our campuses. Um, hopefully, um, they can see the value in uh, participating in the convention and sending um, their delegates. Um, we need their strength as well. Um, about all I have to say on that, Leroy. Thank you, David. Uh, I agree with uh, Jeff and with you uh, that uh, Jeff's issue about joint council, uh, we've had this issue come up several times in the last couple of years, and um, it is, uh, as Jeff indicated, largely undemocratic to have a joint council for a general membership meeting where no, no member that is not a joint council delegate can speak or vote at the general membership meeting. So this becomes a very elitist sort of uh, council that's you know controlling the general membership meeting and. Uh, this union really ought to be run by the membership. Each member ought to have an opportunity to go there and voice their opinion and vote on matters of the local union business. I've uh, been in one local union where they had a joint council uh, and that uh, didn't seem to be quite fair. Uh, though they were liberal in the idea that members could speak uh, but the end, uh, go and vote. Uh, but the uh, joint council uh, is not set up that way. Uh, you know, I can remember going and, and voting on a lot of issues uh, where they suspended that rule. So, uh, but they had to do that, suspended. So, as we go through this constitution and Jeff goes through this and informs everybody, uh, we need to address the idea of joint council being no longer being part of our Constitution uh, because 
it is just not fair to the general membership that deserves to go and have a voice and a vote at every general membership meeting in our great union. So uh, thank you for pointing that out, Jeff. That's very, very important. And as David said, everybody should have delegates at this convention, every local union, and uh, we uh, need the support of every local union there. And that's much appreciated. Uh, even if you have one delegate, please send somebody. Okay, thank you for that. Uh, David, you have a report tonight. It's kind of interesting. Uh, Want to uh, discuss that for us, please? Sure. Um, the uh, NAFTA negotiations are becoming contentious. Um, there's uh, some issues here that corporations and lobbyists don't really um don't really like what they're seeing. Um in the first beginning of uh Trump's um for his term he uh pledged to focus on boosting manufacturing jobs. Um and he intended in part to do that by renegotiating NAFTA. Uh, NAFTA was enacted in ninety four create free trade zones between U.S., Mexico, and Canada. Um, Trump had brought the Detroit automakers to Washington um, for a meeting um, right after he took office. Um, I think that the auto manufacturers had hoped that they could talk about warm and fuzzy things like gas standards and um, how those could be lowered. But um, Trump uh, had made the statement that he would slap um, 10 to 35 percent um, tax on uh, tariffs and stuff coming across the border. Uh, so currently, <clears throat> excuse me, currently um, the negotiators have proposed. The minimum percentage of a car parts of the car's parts must be made in one of the three countries to eighty five percent from sixty two point five percent in order to escape tariffs when it's imported to America and they want to require that fifty percent of the parts must come from the United States. Um, Canada Mexican officials have so far rejected that. Um, seeing it as a hardline proposal. Um, right now, um, the timeline to um, resolve these issues has been pushed back into 2018. Um, the next round of talks will take place in Mexico November 17th through the 21st. Um, some of the players in this rift with the Trump administration and the corporations are the corporate lobbyists. Um, those players are John Balzilla, CEO Association of Global Automakers, Matt Blunt, President of American Automotive Policy Council. Um, he lobbies for the Detroit Tree. And Jennifer Thomas, a Washington-based um, alliance of auto manufacturers, domestic and foreign. Um, these groups have come together, these lobbyists, to form a coalition called Driving American Jobs. 
John Balzilla, um, his claim is that a lot of manufacturers are winning with NAFTA, um, stating that <clears throat> one million more vehicles now manufactured in the United States um, than before NAFTA. Um, we have uh, Matt Blunt, the president of the Automotive Policy Council, <clears throat> He is concerned about $10 billion in tariffs that they currently avoid by law. Um, that would, um, $10 billion, what that would amount to, uh, and if NAFTA was completely done away with, would be 2.5% um, <clears throat> for cars and 25% tariff for pickup trucks. And that would um, amount to about 5000 to $15,000 to the price of a car. Um, some of these vehicles assembled by American companies in Canada and Mexico, and they would also be hit with the tariffs. Um, so I think that they're um, really... More worried about these um, the cost that it's going to be to ship these vehicles back up here, uh, five to ten grand or fifteen grand on on the hood of a car. Um, you also have the dealers crying over this too. Um, they're not going to be able to sell these vehicles in the United States. You just can't tack that much onto the hood itself. So I do believe. That that would repatriate re 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 the uh, um, jobs back into the United States, and I think that there, um, the companies um, would like to see NAFTA stay in place because they like to take advantage of the cheap labor in Mexico. Um, recently, we saw the General Motors threaten Cami in Canada with doing just that, running down there to take advantage of cheap labor <clears throat> and ramping up production in facilities they currently own. Um, if NAFTA was ditched right off the get, <clears throat> the first to react would probably be the suppliers the most. Um, any supplier that <clears throat> really doesn't have a global footprint really doesn't have anywhere to go. Um, other things said are that um, some of these supplier jobs that would come back across the border wouldn't necessarily translate into more jobs for American workers. Uh, robot companies have manufactured, uh, one of them may be, um, they've made robots that can work right alongside of uh, production workers on an assembly line, and they don't have to be caged. So what they're saying is you can see lines of robots um, working with working the assembly line with very few workers, whether that is just um, pomp and circumstance. Um, I guess that would yet to be seen. Um, another key player 
in uh, these negotiations. And I know that uh, number 45 has informed all of us of his um, extremely high IQ. Um, he's not the uh, um, brains of this organization, um, as far as my opinion goes. Um, sitting at the top of the U.S. trade um, is an official representative named Robert Leitzer. Um, he's a trade lawyer. This guy has decades of experience advocating for U.S. manufacturing firms and workers. He's always been a strong critic of NAFTA's damage to America's industrial and middle class. Um, this guy seems intent on creating a new trade agreement um, that will, you know, benefit workers and the corporations here in the United States. Um, I think that um, the policies that Trump talks about, um, not maybe all of them, but a good share of them come from his advice. And I believe this has come as quite a shock to the lobbyists and the corporations and that's why we see them now um, stepping up um, to uh, create this coalition. They feel it's better to be united together in this coalition and then that they might have um, more opportunity to dissuade um, the Trump administration. you got to remember, these NAFTA, or these NAFTA lobbyists, um, they've had decades of dictating the terms of our U.S. trade deals. And they see that going away. Uh, when you have this amount of people really concerned, that's got to be good news for workers here. Um, Mexico had stated that uh, they felt that uh, the 10% and 35% tariff um, violated federal um, trade laws, and I believe that gets into GATT. Um, I'm not prepared to speak on GATT. Um, I know that uh, you, Larry, are a uh, uh, trade guru, so I'll hand that over to you, um, and you can explain GATT and what Mexico, I believe, is basically saying. Take her away. Yeah, I'll, I'll add to J David's report here. Um, uh, uh, in 1993, everybody knows NAFTA was uh, signed by the president at the time on December 8th. On December 8th, 1994, uh, uh, the president at the time signed GATT, Global Agreement on Tax and Tariff. Now, this is a latest version of GATT. GATT came into being way back in, in uh, the late 40s, I think 46 or 7, after World War II. And so um, uh, we, uh, we have that to deal with. Mexico's a signature, signatory of that. Uh, I believe Canada is as well. And what that means is that it's a global agreement on tax and tariff. 
and we were locked in for all time on this global agreement on tax and tariff not to change any taxes or tariffs coming uh, that that we have on our uh, borders, any products, goods or services coming in uh, from other places, no uh, tax or tariff on them. So uh, the uh, uh, notion that Mexico is saying we have other uh, trade agreements is absolutely true. That you know, Mr. Trump, the president, uh, can't put a tax or a tariff on any products coming in. Now we here on this show have offered many times a solution to this, so that we stop the dumping into our country. You can't pair two first world countries in there with a a, a, a third world country and, and expect things to be, you know, without problems. There's lots of problems, and we've lost a lot of, of work uh, and money out of our country uh, to compound this with other countries other than Mexico, uh, the rest of the world in whole or in part, and all of the emerging countries, by and large, went to a national sales tax. Uh, some did just just a core sales tax, some did a value-added tax, which is a sales tax progressive through the uh, production of a product. And that can be manipulated a little bit. Uh, and uh, it um, uh, buys manufacturers so they don't have to pay it much. They do it all in-house. Uh, so that when these uh, uh, products are built, they don't go from one place to another to another. They just build them all under the same uh, corporation, and then there's no tax uh, through the, throughout the process of the building of the product, whatever that might be, in, in our case, a vehicle. Uh, so uh, they get away from the uh, real disadvantage of that, um, only taxing it once at the end item. Uh, so when they do that, we have a payroll withholding tax, and we have one cost of government through it, and then if we sell our products overseas, there's two costs of government because they put a sales tax on it. In an over, you know, overseas foreign country that only has a sales tax or VAT tax, they charge it uh, on their own product, when they sell it. But if it's not sold in their country and they simply send it here, it has no cost to government. In it. Why you can buy foreign products anywhere from 20 to 32 percent less than you can buy an American product. It has nothing to do with workers, has nothing to do with profit levels of corporation, it has to do with the tax imbalance. And because of that tax imbalance, it's an advantage to corporations to go over overseas because they can build that product overseas for less money and sell it here, even if they don't charge extra. They just sell it here, and they're able to use that and sell that product cheaper here, so they sell more products in our country. And they, even if they don't consider it a profit, 
which they do. But even if they don't consider it a profit, then they can dump products here without consideration to the the uh, um, uh, the, the, the profits at all. But they do consider profits, and they still are making more money by making the products overseas and then dumping them in our country. So, as you can see, you cannot add a tax or a tariff, and that's what Mexico is talking about when they say they don't want to change NAFTA and putting on a tariff like Trump wants to do is simply not possible. Now, we're not mad at Mexico. We just want to make it fair and make it fair with the rest of the world that's dumping product here in the nation. So we've asked, you know, and presented that there be a surcharge placed on products that are dumped here from all countries that we just put their tax on. If, Let's say it's Germany. Okay, they have a 17% value-added tax. If they have that tax, you know, imputed on the product coming here, okay, then that would stop that dumping of their product at zero cost to government over here. So, and then you just simply return that surtax to the company, country that sent in their products here. Okay, so we're not making any money. It does conform with GATT. It's not a tax or a tariff. It's a surcharge that's returned to the country. Only purpose of it is they don't dump product here anymore. And in many cases, it'll help to build infrastructure for the country that's sending the products here. And that's what we really want to see. We want to see everybody raised to a higher standard where they can become a consumer and not just a manufacturing company, country. So having said that, David, very nice report. Jeff, do you have anything to add to that? I have never liked the uh, NAFTA agreement to begin with. Um, oh. Um, we had Senator Williams recently stating that uh, Mexico needs to pay its weight employees higher wages. Maybe Dennis has his priorities screwed up because we use we need some higher wages here in the States that he has failed to deliver for us. So that's my thought. Yeah. So I, I've never liked NAFTA either, Jeff, at all. I think it's really been bad for everybody. On, on the whole the whole North America. I mean, there was ways to do this that would have benefited a lot, uh, everybody, and they just didn't do it uh, that way. So, having said that, uh, uh, before we get into my report tonight, uh, we do have a special guest tonight for everyone's uh, uh, listening uh, pleasure, and uh, I just wanted to uh, let everybody know that in the, the city of Lansing, we have an election coming up, and it's a city council election, and there are the second ward and the fourth, fourth ward, the mayor, the city clerk, and the at-large candidates uh, are, uh, two of the at-large candidates are up uh, for uh, election. And uh, as it happens, uh, we have one of the at-large candidates on tonight. I'd like to... Um, 
Um, please extend a warm working for a living welcome to the Honorable Guillermo Lopez, candidate at large for the Lansing City Council. Good evening, Guillermo, and thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you, Leroy. Thanks for the invitation. You're welcome. Well, glad to have you. Um, you know, we uh, we we've known each other a very very long time, and uh, I, I really. Uh, have had a lot of respect for you, as you've heard me say at different meetings that we've been been in, um, that uh, I uh, have the greatest respect for you and everything that you've done uh, over the years, and we've uh, worked together um, uh, mm -hmm. on many, many projects, and uh, uh, you've always been a man of the highest integrity. I, I want to read something here real quick. If you don't mind, okay. I, I, happen to, I happen to know that this is uh, going to be in the newspaper in the next couple of days. If not, uh, I missed it today if it happened to be there today, but I think it's still uh, going to be in a couple of days. Um, okay. This is uh, something that says, Mr. Lopez, ready for Lansing Council. Guillermo Z. Lopez, life has been about public service and human and civil rights. He has also served as an elected official, Lansing School Board of Education, since the year 2000. He served a distinguished 30-year career as a Lansing City employment employee in the Department of Human Relations and Community Services. His knowledge of local government from city structure to the city charter gives him a unique understanding of how to best serve the citizens of Lansing and has prepared him in a very special way for a seat on the Lansing City Council. <clears throat> and I, I uh, echo that, uh, Guillermo. Um, uh, those words, uh, I didn't write them, uh, but uh, they're going to be in the, uh, the, the journal, as I understand it, uh, by another okay. uh, uh, honorable person from our community. So again, I echo that. Um, would you care to tell us a little bit about yourself and your candidacy and why you're running? Sure. Thank you, Leroy. Well, let's see, like you said, like you mentioned, you know, I've, I've served the city for 30 years as an employee. And all along, uh, I would see things that I would hope the city council would, would uh, look at and pay attention to, um, as well as the administration. But I work for the administration, right? So I, I felt that... Uh, City Council should be aware or ask questions uh, relevant to certain things. Um, so when I retired, um, and then it happened that uh, there was going to be a change uh, in city government, the uh, mayor not seeking re-election, uh, toward at least two council uh, vacancies uh, with no incumbents, I thought it was uh, the right time to come forward and present myself as a candidate for city council because I have so um, worked for the city and I want to continue my public service representing the city at large in the city council chamber uh, to bring that experience that I have, both, both as, as a uh, policymaker and as a, uh, an employee of a city government. So, yes, uh, uh, I, I wanted to do that and, and again, you know, um, continue serving the, the last. Uh, residents of Lansing in this uh, new capacity. Yeah, thank, thank you, Guillermo. Uh, I guess, uh, you know, we're from labor, 
And right. I, you know, I know you're from labor. Uh, you're a union member, aren't you? Or, uh, yes, you I, I retired as as a teamster in good standing, mm-hmm. and teamsters supported my candidacy. And they've endorsed you, the teamsters. Yes, sir. So you have labor endorsements. So that's that's good. Um, right. uh, the uh, issue that's near and dear to our hearts, as you may know, are the health care and pension uh, issues um, right. that now face us. Uh, <clears throat> I was wondering, uh, in particular, the pension matters. Uh, everybody's right. kind of know uh, about that. Do you have any thoughts on uh, the pension matters that might uh, rise in the city? Well, I mean, the city is is well known that uh, it's been uh, calculated that we have like a $600 million deficit in our pension program um, and that we need to find the solution to that. So as an incoming council member, that would be one of the first uh, issues that I would like to uh, spend time on. It's not going to happen, you know, from one day to the next, but it's going to take time to study it, to learn uh, to review documentation from past administrations, past councils, and, and look for new um, new um, ideas to to address this matter. Uh, I still don't think it's it's one that's uh, urgent like tomorrow, but I think it's urgent enough that we need to spend the time necessary to find um, solutions. And and it's not only Lansing, but it's. Uh, in many other parts of the state, state government itself, and oh, yeah. um, and and we have to work with the state government to find a solution to this. Um, I know we can think of uh, various ways of doing it, but I wouldn't want to um, go into any detail now because we don't have the details. Okay, but I think we need to spend a lot of time, quality time, um, talking about this very important issue for for our retirees and for our future retirees. Correct. I, I agree, Guillermo, that you have to identify the problem. <clears throat> Aristotle said, you know, right. problem defined is a problem half solved. So, right. I mean, beyond the idea that it's that it's an issue, that it's, you know, this is $600 million, uh, upside down, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you have to, you know, really define it and find out how much of this, might be attributable mm-hmm. to state participation and funding to the city. Uh, so exactly. that might you know, our, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just wanted to mention something else, uh, if, if you don't mind. Uh, I know sure. city employees who were there, who were there working in finance and who know certain things that we don't know, you know, in the general public. And I'd like to invite them to be part of a, of a solution team. Because they can tell us how this was framed, how it was uh, structured, and how might be the ways that it can be uh, revisited, and see if in, in that within that structure we can legally, you know, um, uh, find ways to address it. You know, and uh, I don't think that at this point in time any of our um, uh, previous um, individuals working for the city or, or or have, having put together the the retirement, have been been invited to to this. Oops. So, Are you there? Yeah, sorry. 
Yeah, sorry, Guillermo. I just uh, haven't invited to where I, I was trying to find. We had some external noise. <laughs> I cut you <laughs> off in the middle. So, uh, no, you, no, you I'm said, saying uh, that. The city employees, you know, and finance team that was uh, together when uh, some of these uh, pensions plans were put together may shed some light on, on what was the thought back then, okay, and what went wrong with the assumptions of that pension plan. And and some of it may be, like you said, the state participation, when they cut uh, uh, the um, uh, the share, uh, uh, what's, what's the term, uh, Leroy? Uh, the state uh, shares with well, cities. Uh, uh, revenue sharing. Yeah, they cut revenue, revenue sharing. sharing. They right. cut revenue sharing, and, and that, you know, put a really, really um, bad strain on, on finances, obviously. And part of right. it was probably not not contributing what we should be contributing to the pension fund. So it, yeah, is, exactly. it is a big and then it, it and is a big the ability deal. to do yeah. that, you know, whatever needed right. to be. Uh, I right. can I I can speak with a little bit of experience that Meridian Township just addressed this issue, uh, and and it's a long term fix. It's over ten years, like you said, right. uh, it's over ten years. So the uh, whole notion that um, uh, the uh, 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 that can't be re, uh, resolved uh, quickly is uh, something that uh, is absolutely true, Guillermo. I mean, uh, right. this is you know something that needs a lot of research and and things, but the solution is going to likely be over some long period of time. Uh, right. So, uh, uh, I I agree with you. Uh, you might want to take a look at what they did. They actually asked for for uh, some. Uh, monies uh, from the community, not a lot, mm-hmm. but they did have to go back to the community and ask for something a little bit more. But as we right. try to help you and get some more, uh, you know, labor-friendly uh, House representatives, mm-hmm. you know, the legislature, uh, to right. address this uh, whole issue uh, and try and get return manufacturing to our state so that there's a greater tax base for the state, then they mm-hmm. can participate. Mm-hmm. You know, so these are mm-hmm. these are jobs we need to do to help support you as a city council member to resolve the pension issues. So that's just one of the sure. issues before. The city. Oh, it's just one uh, of the many issues that are going on. Yeah. Oh yeah, we got parks and all yeah. kinds of stuff on. You know, as you right. know, uh, and so um, well, I uh, I see your your candidacy is somebody that's coming from the working class. You are in no way an elitist. You've always uh, worked hard for everything you got. Uh, you've, uh, you know, never had anything handed to you. You had to work hard to get it. Uh, you've served our our fine city uh, as an employee of the mm-hmm. city for over 30 years, or at 30 years, and mm-hmm. as an elected official for uh, a little over 17 now. Uh, so you know, I I really appreciate you and everything you've done, and I know our team does as well. Um, let me bring him on uh, one at a time here. I'm going to ask Jeff to come in and ask you. He's from Detroit. Uh, he worked okay. at the Flat Rock uh, plant down in Detroit for Ford, and Jeff might have right. a couple questions. Been active in politics a long time, so Jeff, okay. you have any questions for 
Honorable Guillermo Lopez? Um, since I'm not a resident of Lansing, um, how can I help you uh, win your election? Um, what kind of efforts you go door to door? Um, what is your campaign strategy? Well, you know, we're, we're so close to the election date now that we're we're uh, working on getting out the vote. We're doing lit drop uh, on a daily basis. Uh, we're talking to people on a daily basis, and we're going to have a big uh, get out the vote uh, on November 4th. So any volunteer that's listening out there and they'd like to help my campaign with a get out the vote uh, activity, you know, uh, let me know. Uh, uh, Leroy has my phone number, and you can uh, direct them to me. But, you know, we're at the, uh, at the end of the, of the road. So this is what mm-hmm. we need to do. And, and we're encouraging uh, people to come out and vote because that's the key. After whatever money we spend, whether it's a lot or, or, or not as much, if people don't come out to vote, you know, it, it's going to be a tough, a tough uh, haul. So we need to exactly. get the vote out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you very okay. much. I mean, whatever you can do with your friends in the Lansing area, Lansing City. We, we have, another, to... have another, another co-host okay. here. David's going to have a question or two for you as well, Guillermo. Just okay. one second. Okay. Yeah. Thank yes, you. David, <clears throat> do you have any questions for Guillermo? Yeah. Um, would you be doing phone banking? Um, uh, we, um, at this point in time, um that we're we're working on that uh it depends on our our number of uh volunteers um but uh right now we're concentrating on on uh, going door to door uh not to do some phone banking but it's it's a little bit in the in the balance right now yeah. I agree with you that people don't come out to vote um mm-hmm. Leroy spoke on that at the state capitol on May 1st. Um, I believe right. that figure is 6% of uh, people over 60 years old. Right. Uh, we need to really get these folks out to vote. Um, you do right. some phone banking. Um, I might be interested in coming and giving you a hand. Okay. Uh, if you put that together, yeah, whatever you're like- would you would you like me to give the address of your get out the vote effort on Saturday? Sure. Or not on, on on the air. Okay. Anybody on that the, wants. Uh, yes or no? Is yes, that a yes? You can. Sure. Okay. Okay. Yes. So anybody that wants to help Guillermo Lopez, uh, his candidacy to get out to vote uh, this Saturday, the fourth of November, uh, at three four zero eight. Inverary at 10 a.m. Inverary, okay. Right. I never say that street right. I've been on it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Inverary. Yeah, I know. So again, that, that address is three four zero eight Inverary, and that's at 10 a.m. Uh, and they're going to organize there, and then people are going to go out and do uh, knock and drops for. Uh, people that are registered voters in the entire city. So they're going to need every. Uh, set of legs that they can get. We encourage right. anybody that's listening to please go on over there and tell them that you uh, heard us on Working for a Living 
so that you get over there, and we get a little credit for it, too. <laughs> so That's great. Well, Guillermo, great. coming on the show, do you have anything else to add? Well, you, you know, um, uh, you know, it's it, it just encourage you to vote and, and uh, support my candidacy. I think that uh, we have the the heart in the in the right place, uh, and I think that as a legislator, we need to have not only deal with the ordinances and whatever policies, but we have to have the right heart. And I think that I that I am one of those persons that has the right heart. Look into how which piece of legislation will impact our community. Will it be respectful to them? Will it create opportunity? And will it will it create prosperity? So those are three things that I'm keen on as as I see legislation come on or policies adopted by the city. It has to do with those three things. So it has to be about community, not about a special um or or, or personal goal or idea. It has to be the community that will uh, benefit from anything we do. And uh, again, you, I, I would appreciate your support November 7th. Did you Thank hear you, that, Roy. He's hoping for your support. And I can attest that Guillermo has the right heart for the right reasons, and he is not in there in this for personal gain. He's in this for the benefit of this community. He and I have had many, many discussions about doing what's right for the community, and we agree 100% on what's right for this community. I've known Guillermo a little over three decades, and I can attest to him working hard on a lot of projects throughout the years, and this is a good man that will stand up and do the right thing for our city, city of Lansing, from the Lansing City Council as a member at large. So please consider giving Guillermo Lopez your vote, and we would ask that you give just one vote to the city at large candidates. But Guillermo, <laughs> thanks for coming on, on the show tonight. Thank you, Lero. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. And have, a, have a great night and, and see you yeah, soon. You too. We'll see you later. Okay. Bye bye. See you okay. on Wednesday bye-bye. for sure. All right. Bye bye. Bye. Okay, there you have it, folks. Uh, this is one of the, the best men that I can say that I've worked with in the city. He's always been there. Every everything he's just ever present. What a good guy! So consider voting for him. Uh, I can tell you that there are a lot of elitists in this race, and he's not one of them. I know one candidate that lives on the river, and probably a six hundred thousand dollar house. And this candidate just was a sponsor. $1,000 sponsor for another fundraiser. So that's the type of candidate that person is. And that person I haven't seen around the community, you know, with his sleeves rolled up, doing the tough work that helps to make our city a better place over the years. I have seen the person pretty much as a elitist walking around and, um, from my perspective, the nose was catching clouds, so there was a lot of nose in the air with this as well. So I would say that Guillermo Lopez is the only person that deserves your vote. So if you get the opportunity, I'm in vote in the city of Lansing. 
to the voting polls, then please consider you know, if you haven't already voted absentee, because uh, there's a, um, uh, a lot of people that have not voted in this city that really need to, that are registered, that really need to consider given, uh, getting to the polls or voting absentee. You have, by, according to the clerk, you have until Monday at 4 p.m. to vote uh, if you did that on Monday, the day before the election. Um, so you will con entertain your vote up until 4 p.m., and that would be on the 6th. Prior to that, up until the 3rd, you can vote absentee uh, as you may, but on the 6th, you have to do it in his office, okay? All right, so having said all of that, uh, and make sure you get your ballot back to the clerk on time, you know, because that's, you know, if you're absentee ballot, uh, you want to make sure you get it there on time. Again, Guillermo Lopez, city council at large, there's four candidates. You can vote for two. We would suggest that you vote for Guillermo only. Thank you very much for your consideration in that matter. Um, anything else on that, uh, David or Jeff? No. I hope the weather's good. good so people can go out and vote. Yeah, hope for a win. Yeah, if the yep. people can come, come, come to the polls, you know, make sure you, you know, and vote. You know, there's a lot of stuff on the ballot. I mean, obviously we have the mayor and the city clerk, and uh, you know, Judy Brown Clark's running for mayor. She's a former Silver Olympian, a very nice lady. She's on the city council now, and uh, another fellow. Is running against her, so uh, you know uh, Judy's a, a tough sort herself. So, uh, having said that, I'll get on to my report. Uh, it's a little after eight, so we'll try and keep it not too long. But it is a very important issue, and I've gotten a lot of calls on it this week, uh, as a matter of fact, and uh, so many calls that I thought that it deserves. Uh, some attention on the show this week. Uh, so uh, the issue at hand is discrimination and sexual harassment. First of all, I want to define what uh, discrimination is under Title VII uh, of the federal law, and it goes into several categories here. Um, and these are protected classes by federal law. It kind of gives us the, the, the law that protects them, too. Uh, race, okay, this is the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Color, that's also the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Religion, Civil Rights Act of 1964. National origin, the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Age, this is for people 40 and over, Age Discrimination in Employment Act of 1967. Okay. Sex, Equal Pay Act of 1963, and the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Can you imagine these laws are over 50 years old and we still don't have equal pay for women? Wow. Um, the, uh, in addition, uh, there's a sub-note uh, to that sex, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, EEOC, 
interprets sex to include discrimination based on sexual orientation or gender identity. Okay, so you keep those in mind as well as under the uh, sex uh, discrimination. Okay, next one is pregnancy, the Pregnancy Discrimination Act, Citizenship, Immigration Reform and Control Act. That's an interesting one. Familiar Status, Civil Rights Act of 1968, Title VIII, Housing Cannot Discriminate for Having Children, with an exception for senior housing. How about that? Disability status is the Rehabilitation Act of 1973 and Americans with Disabilities Act of 1990. Veterans status is protected. Vietnam era, this is the law, Vietnam era Veterans Readjustment Assistance Act of 1974 and Uniformed Services Employment and Reemployment Rights Act. I believe you find that as 1948 or 9 law. Genetic Information, Genetic Information Non Discrimination Act. Now that's your genome. If they find something about you, they can't discriminate. If you, they find that you found, you know, that you had a predisposition for something. Uh, so they can't discrimination. Also, individual states can and do create other classes for protection under state law. Now, if you find yourself, uh, oh, let's just touch on the sex harassment. Uh, and this is where somebody is uh, talking to you or touching you in a way that's inappropriate. Uh, so, um, that's pretty much how that's, uh, that comes about. Uh, in the case of sex harassment or stalking uh, that's related to sex harassment, it's a related law, it takes two uh, warnings before action can be taken. And those warnings need to be in front of a witness. So you must tell them twice, stop. And you want to make sure that you can document it so it should be under with a witness. I mean, you can always say, I said, but, you know, can you prove it? And to be able to prove it, you have to have it by a witness or some uh, authority that's told them don't do this, whether it's uh, the union, management, or an outside authority that's such as a police authority. Uh, so... Uh, that is substantiation for one of the, you can know that somebody being told no. Uh, obviously, if somebody tells you no, you better adhere to it because it carries stiff fines. Uh, so how do you deal with this once presented with this? And, you know, I mean, this happens to men and women in this in case of sexual harassment or stalking. And it happens to everybody in these protected classes, virtually anybody that's in the protected class. Uh, so uh, the thing that that um, I have found, and this is my opinion on how to deal with this in, as best you can, is to start a log. 
and a composition book that's bound in the center by thread is something that seems to have worked over time. And uh, the uh, uh, book itself, as long as you don't alter it by pulling pages out or doing something like that, just keep it intact, has been known to be admissible in court. And I was told that a long time ago back at Chevrolet Flint Manufacturing. And that was the case, that these had been admissible in court. Okay, these books, these composition books. Now, how do you, how do you make that book work for you, your, your log book? Well, first of all, every day you put a date in there, and then whatever occurs on that date, you write it down. That's a problem, okay? Not just anything, but anything that's a problem. Uh, and uh, then you have a log for that day. But as you write things down, you also time them. You put the time on them. You know, whether it's 7, 10 a.m. Eastern time, just say, you know, East, EST usually works, or EDT, daylight time. Okay, so whatever time it occurred, usually, you know, like 7, 10 Eastern works. And then everybody understands what time it was. Now, you put that Eastern or uh, other in in there, with Central in there, because, for example, the state of Michigan has two time zones. state of Indiana has two time zones in it. Okay, those are two examples. So you want to make sure that they don't just think that just because you're in Michigan that it's Eastern time because there's places in Michigan that are Central time, the same with Indiana. So you want to be clear, as I've seen cases where somebody said, oh, well, that they said this in Eastern time, how could that possibly, have, or 8 o'clock, how could that possibly have happened because they were here at 8.30 or it's, you know, at 8 at 8 o'clock or whatever, at 8 o'clock, the exact same time. How can they be both places? Well, because they were saying that it was Eastern when they wrote it, but they were, at, you know, at 7.10, but they were at 7.10 Central, they were somewhere else. And that has become an issue over time. So make sure you, as you time these, you put the time, uh, you know, the time zone. Okay, or just blanket it and say all things have occurred in the, in, in, in the Eastern time zone. But that's probably not such a good idea. So put the E or the C, S, T in there and, and uh, make sure you're doing that right. So then once you have this book, okay, and somebody's come and grabbed you on the behind and you didn't like it, and you say, don't do that anymore. You know, I'm a dignified lady, you know, and I don't deserve to be demeaned and harassed in such a way. Okay? You tell them that. Okay? And then see if there's anybody around that heard you say it. If they didn't, find a friendly face. Go over to the person. Tell them again. 
same thing. Please don't do that. I'm a dignified person, man or woman, and I don't deserve to be demeaned or harassed in that manner. Your witness see it, and then have your witness sign that book, your little composition book, so that you can copy it or people can see it over time after the fact. Now, you probably don't want to do that in front of the person as far as having your witness sign it, but you could if you wanted to, if you want to really make a point. And that would be one of the two that are required. And then if another one occurs, you know, don't do that. And then after that, it's fair game to take him out, take him or her out into the court structure and deal with it. And that's dealing with this whole idea of sexual harassment. Same thing applies, but there's no two, there's not a two limit on this other, the protected classes, okay, anytime it happens. So you want to document that this is going on. You want to have several instances of it going on, and you also want to have a witness, okay? But there's no requirement like the two that I know of, at least, that are related to sexual harassment, and stalking comes under that as well. You've got to give two notices. Um, so uh, having said that, this is a horrible, horrible thing to endure, when you're being discriminated against or harassed. And these kind of things go underreported. As a matter of fact, there's a whole lot of folks out there that write articles about how this is underreported and that it needs to be reported more. Okay? So, um, you know, we're not trying to get people in trouble but we're trying to keep you from being harassed. We all go to work, and we all want to do our job without being harassed or stalked around the building, okay? We just want to go to work to support ourselves and our families in a, in a good way. So you have the right to do that, to go to work every day and free from harassment, okay? And you have the right to be not discriminated against, especially in the workplace. So make sure you have good records in a composition law book, or law, a composition book. That's the one that's sewn and typically, you know, in the middle, you've seen them, uh, and they... The ones that seem to work well in the plant or the work facility are the three and a half inches wide or so, so that you can, you know, tuck them in a pocket uh, and, you know, be able to work around in case you had to pull it out and add an entry, as opposed to the ones that are five or six inches wide. So just as a suggestion. Um, again, you know, these things go underreported. Uh, we're not here to tell you to go run into management every time, but the union's got a way of dealing with this as well. Okay, we have a civil rights chairperson and committee that are empowered to go and try and resolve these issues. 
okay, before they become a real problem. We don't want anybody in a bad situation, either be receiving this or be unfairly accused of it either, okay, because that does happen from time to time. Okay, so uh, having said all of that, uh, just, you know, know that that's the best way to deal with it, Okay, you want to, you know, and then you get a hold, if you need to, you get all your committee or your chair, your shop committee person, you know, depending on who you trust. And then the civil rights chair uh, can get in, get engaged and get active on this. So they call it, you know, get kinetic on, on it and, and, and stop it. You know, any one of those people have the ability to stop whatever's going on. And if one can't, the other one can step up and, and get it done without anybody being disciplined or lose their job or anything. These are things that we like to keep in-house. So as a matter of record, that's what we want to try and do. And it's our opinion that that's over time that we've seen, at least this person's seen, that that's one of the better ways of dealing with this. So uh, that's my report for this evening um, on that. I'll ask... Uh, 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 Jeff first. I mean, he's probably he's been a committee person, so Jeff's probably had to deal with this in the past. Uh, I'll ask for Jeff's input on this. Jeff, you got any co uh, comments, questions? No, you are you are exactly right. You're right. I've had to deal with this issue several times in my career. Um, so just keep a logbook, things, uh, dates, and places, and um, you'll come out. Of, the winner on this side. Follow uh, Leroy's recommendations and everything will work out. Thank you, Jeff. David, you got any thoughts on this and comment? Um, <clears throat> these notes are considered to be contemporaneous notes, are they not? Yes, they are. Would you explain to the members what contemporaneous notes are? Okay, uh, uh, as you may uh, have heard uh, that, and, and may have known throughout your life, hearsay is not admissible anywhere in a court of law. And as investigators, you know, in our union, committee people investigate things, they also have to have facts, not hearsay, first-hand information from a first-hand witness. Okay. Typically, that it's signed. Hearsay is not acceptable in in our uh, organization or in court of law. If you make a note immediately, that's why I'm asking you to time these and time them properly with the actual uh, uh, time zone on it. Okay. Take the extra time and do it right. Okay, so if you have the actual time zone on, it makes it better. If you make a contemporaneous note, that means that it was done virtually as soon as you can get to your book after the act itself or the comment itself. Then that you may refresh yourself with. Your, your notes, they're called contemporaneous because you timed them. Okay, 
So as you make this law, that can't be altered once you write it in ink, by the way. Make sure it's ink, okay? And you put the, the date and the time and the time zone, especially in states that have two, uh, on your comments then or your note. Uh, then you may refresh your memory from those notes, and that then is accepted accepted as uh, your recollection, not hearsay. Okay, and especially if you have it noted and signed uh, by somebody that's a witness, have them sign your book. Say, you know. I said the following to uh, XYZ person, and this person saw me say that, that I'm a dignified individual, and please stop this, and I'm not deserving of this being demeaned or harassed in this, in this way. And specify what was done. Be specific, exact nature of your claim. You may not grab me on the butt or anywhere else ever again. The backside, or however you want to word it, may not touch me. I am. This is my notice to you. And then the witness sign exactly and specifically what you said. And those notes, then, once you're able to refresh yourself, you can take those in to a court of law. They'll allow you to refresh your memory with contemporaneous notes. And then they become acceptable and admissible in a court of law. Okay, so the little book serves a very, very strong purpose in all of this. Okay, so that's no longer hearsay. You know, I saw this and I witnessed it. I wrote it down. It was such a significant event, significant emotional event in some cases that it bothered you so much. So, um, again, those that's our opinion. It's a well-educated opinion founded by others that actually have the credentials that have uh, expressed that. Uh, so, um, you... Uh, uh, you stick to this, I think, and uh, you'll, you'll be fine. Uh, David, do you have anything else that you want? Um, I believe that every team leader um, should carry um, a notebook of the same caliber and type that you spoke of, so then pages. Um, when I was a TL, I carried one in my pocket. Um, I wasn't necessarily taking notes on my co-workers or um, being harassed by anyone, I was taking notes on my supervisor. Anything he said, time, date, time zone, what was said, who he was referencing, um, complete details. Um, that book saved my job when I was put out the door. So, very important. Um, carry one. Take notes. Um, I would advise every TL to do it. That's all, Larry. Right. I mean, if you're having any issue with your supervisor, 
you should probably consider starting a, a log. Uh, so it's not just for team leaders. I mean, any any of our members. So we're going to, you know, we'll give you some advice from time to time on how to negotiate all of this. Uh, it isn't just that we raised our hand and, and want to be the caucus that aspires to remove and replace the international. We actually have experience at this, and we will give you advice over time. And we've been telling you that for uh, from this venue for a little over a year and a half, and in our lifetimes, basically all of our life, we've been given such advice, and that comes from all of our uh, leadership team. I can speak on behalf of each and every one of them who have been activists their whole life and have given good, solid, sound advice for a long time to the membership on their behalf in the interest of them. Okay, so um, just know that we didn't just fall off the boat and say we want to be leading this UAW. We've been doing it a long time. And anytime somebody wants to Google me, please feel free. Leroy McKnight, UAW. Leroy McKnight, Leba Healthcare. Leroy McKnight, Retiree. And you'll find thousands, hundreds of thousands of links where I've been working at this for a long time. That's just me, and that's just one of our team, okay? This isn't just me. It's a whole team of people. You heard Jeff talk about it just a while ago. I've had several cases dealing with these matters, and this is the best way of handling them. You heard David save his own job, saved his own job by doing the exact same thing. We're not giving you bad advice, brothers and sisters, listeners, because this works. You don't have to be in a union for this to work. Okay, it works everywhere. All right. So having said that, um, uh, I'll go around and ask everybody if they have anything else to add to the the show tonight, anything at all you want to add. Jeff, you first. No, I'm good. Um, We did very good tonight. I hope... uh, our candidate wins this election, and um, everybody have a safe week. Thank you. Yeah, I, I hope our candidate wins too. But, you know, and, and quite frankly, if everybody votes just for him on the at-large ticket, I'm quite sure he will. Uh, you know, he's been a friend of labor for a long time. I've worked with him a very long time, Jeff and Dave. So, uh, David, do you have anything to add? I believe that's called blinking. Yeah, pl- plunking. It's, uh, it's plinket vote. Yeah, plunket vote. Plunket. Yeah. It's plunket. called plunket. Plunket vote. Yeah. It's the same. So I, now that you brought it up, I guess you better explain it. <laughs> plunket vote is where many candidates are running, but you only vote for one. Okay. And it and if there's like in, in many cases there's two openings and you vote for one, it's the same as giving that person two votes because somebody else didn't get one vote. It is indeed the same as giving them two votes. So uh, if you were to vote just for Guillermo Lopez for at-large city council, same as giving him two votes because you gave him basically you gave him your votes. So 
Uh, having said that, um, uh, you know, that's, <laughs> we'll move on. Anything else, David? No, that's it. <laughs> okay. I won't make you explain <laughs> anything else. <laughs> no, we're good. I, I don't have anything else to add to all that. So, uh, again, uh, the elections uh, on the 7th, Tuesday the 7th, uh, election days here in Michigan, or they follow the, the the first Tuesday after the first Monday, uh, and so you can expect that uh, that's the, the way they fall. That's how that's explained. Uh, so it's the first Tuesday following the first Monday. I think that's actually federal law as well. Uh, that's why the presidential candidate or election is the uh, uh, first Tuesday after the first Monday. So. Uh, having said that, I'll, I'll close out the show. I don't have anything else to add. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening this evening. It's been a little bit of a long show because we have special guests and a number of very important uh, reports uh, this evening. Um, I want to thank all of our friends around the world. I can tell you that I'm re- uh, I have to correct myself that I went back and we've had Australia uh, for a couple months. So we have six of, of listeners in Australia. We have six of the continents. Obviously, Antarctica is uh, very un, uh, unpopulated. But uh, so every other populated, uh, with the exception of a few service people there on Antarctica and from many countries, actually, uh, we don't want to, you know, in any way talk bad about them. But as they're down there doing hard work in a very uh, rough environment. But everybody else on the uh, uh, continents, we have all six uh, uh, represented now uh, as listeners to his show, and we really appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, and uh, thank you, all of you around the world. I want to thank the uh, uh, friends that we have in both Canada and Mexico. And I want to thank everybody here in the United States across uh, our great country. Uh, whether union, you are union or non-union, uh, thank you very much for listening. And um, want to let remind you that this is a Blog Talk Radio show, and you can find us on workingforaliving.com. You can also find there. You can find the iTunes. Uh, easily find the iTunes link, the Stitcher.com uh, link, and the Player FM link. Uh, on the top right side of the page when you're on our on one of our uh, blog pages where you can listen to any show you want. just takes you right to any one of those, depending on what kind of phone you have. If you found value in this show, if nothing more, I mean, you know, the idea that this is, uh, you know, something you learned about how to deal with being harassed or dealing with, you know, supervisor giving you a bad, bad way to go. Just tell one more person about us, if you would, please. Um, and uh, having said all of that, our email is working for a living at working for a living. And I guess we'll have a good night. Uh, good night, David and Jeff, and good night, listeners. Good night, everybody. Good night.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.